That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show. Patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. The NFL kneels to Donald Trump. What a cave-in. What a cop-out. What a cowardly act on the part of Roger Goodell. Hello, everybody. Wednesday, Wednesday, October 11. So good to see you today. Here we go. The Bill Press Show for the next three hours. Whoops, whoops. Two hours. Uh, Fasten your seatbelts because... We are going to be on a roll with lots to talk about, bringing you up to date on all the news of the day. Uh, the latest cabinet member that uh, or senator that Donald Trump has belittled. It's uh, hard to keep up with it. Uh, the uh, insults and the attacks fly out of the White House so fast. Yes, the latest cowardly act on the part of the NFL. Latest reports on the fires in uh, California. And Harvey Weinstein, uh, one more woman has come out against him, happens to be his wife, who says, uh, sayonara, Harvey, I uh, don't want anything more to do with you. We'll tell you all about it here on The Bill Press Show, and you tell us what you think about it all. Give us a holler on Twitter, at BP Show, uh, and send us your comments as we uh, come out to you from our studio right here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Yes, indeed, we'll jump right into it with the team here and with all of you. But first, this is the full court press. Yes, indeed, just a couple of the stories making news. Yesterday, there was one playoff game on the roster, the Washington Nationals versus the Chicago Cubs. We've gotten lots of comments on our Twitter feed from a lot of our listeners at WCPT in Chicago, lots of Cubs fans. Well... It got rained out. I know. It got rained out yesterday. It has been pushed to today. So the Washington Nationals face a must-win playoff game against the Chicago Cubs this afternoon. It's supposed to rain again today. I know. But then they have a game here in Washington tomorrow, so it's going to... No, they don't. They have to do two in Chicago. Well, they did one already, and this will be their second one. But, I mean, if if they don't play today, I think they have to stay in Chicago, don't they? No. No. There's going to be a travel day no matter what. They're they're coming back here. Okay. All right. So it's just just, just an update. Just an update. And they're making a really questionable decision here by playing, uh, by Uh, starting Tanner Roark at at, at his pitcher instead of Strasburg. Well, Strasburg's sick. Is he? It depends on how sick he really is. Oh, that's crap. Look, I think I mean they they did say Strasburg is sick. Number one, I don't know how sick he actually is. I'd love to know, 
But the other thing is, I mean, as as weird as the pitching decisions have been for the Washington Nationals, it doesn't take away from the fact that they have essentially, aside from like two monster home runs in Game Two, they have six hits. You no know, offense in I the know. entire series. I know. So like, yeah. I don't. That was the Red you, Sox problem. I, I don't care who yeah. your pitcher is. I, I I I totally agree. And by the way, to all of our to all of our wonderful wonderful friends and fans out of the WCPT. I love the Cubs. I was so excited. No, you, what are Cubs you talking fan. about? We're but, at war with them. But, but, I'm, let me finish, right? But, i got to be for the Nats, and I am for the Nats. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. You have to understand that. All right, so. Hon- Last year, you were for the Cubs. Just so. Yeah, I know. I know. Hyundai. Not during uh, the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes, you were. <laughs> I've, I've got the tapes. <laughs> Nats didn't go very far in the playoffs last year, so uh, yeah, yeah, right. you, you adopted right. the Cubs. Hyundai announced that they have a new shopper assurance program. They said that this is going to change the way that we buy cars, and it's about time. They say that you can take a car home for a test drive, and you will have three days to keep this car, and Boy. if you don't like it at the end of it, you just bring it back. Boy, that's trouble, man. That's trouble. I mean, you're asking for trouble, but I think that what there— could possibly go wrong? Oh, my God. There are so many things that could go wrong. But I mm-hmm. think it's really interesting that, you know, for so long, they just say, like, as soon as you buy a car, the yeah. moment you drive it off the lot, it immediately devalues. And then if you don't like it, you're stuck. Yeah. So, like, they're saying, take a little time. See if you fit with it. I, I think it's interesting. I don't know if it's great business. I'll put it that way. Uh, yeah, I can see Oh, I thought that guy lived to here. Oh, no, he moved to California. <laughs> Two days ago, they just packed up and left for California. Right. Yeah, we have no forwarding address for them at all. <laughs> on your radio, on TV. And online, this is the Bill Press Show. Hello, everybody. What do you say on a Wednesday, Wednesday, October 11? Uh, welcome to the Bill Press Show. Coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., in our studio right in the heart of the action right here on Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol Building, where Congress will be assembling uh, just a um, couple of hours from now. Uh, and we'll bring you up to date on what's happening on Capitol Hill, what's happening down at uh, the White House, and all around the country and around the globe. That's what we do here on the, the Bill Press Show. Uh, and you join us on a line, online on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show, on uh, Free Speech TV, Direct TV, uh, Free Speech TV, Simulcast, and also out in the Chicago area on the great WCPT and in the Indianapolis area on Indiana Talks, statewide on Indiana Talks, actually. Great to see you today. Don't forget, uh, we want to hear from you. Your comments on the news of the day, send in your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Donald Trump is already tweeting this morning, so so can you. With the whole crowd here, the big stories of the day, the latest on the wildfires in California. Donald Trump uh, taking another shot at belittling uh, Robert Senator Robert Corker yesterday, uh, claiming that uh, his the whole comment about the IQ test with Rex Tillerson, with whom he had lunch yesterday, uh, was all a big joke. Harvey Weinstein in even more hot water today when the New Yorker reports that uh, it wasn't just sexual harassment. Three women have actually accused him of rape. And the NFL. Roger Goodell saying 
He it looks like he's going to join with the owners and force, force all the NFL players to stand during the national anthem because that's what football is all about. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, quick update on uh, California, uh, the, 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 the worst hit area. Uh, it's Napa County. It's Sonoma County. It's all the wine country. Uh, the worst hit city is the city of Santa Rosa, California, which I know really well. I was there in August uh, to see the eclipse. Well, I, I went to August. It went there in August to see the eclipse. It turned out that <clears throat> it was foggy most of the day, so we didn't see the eclipse. But uh, it's a beautiful little city. And it has been just ravaged. I mean, it's a city. This isn't out in the country where you see most of these homes lost in, in fires. Uh, developments out in the country. This is in the city. Uh, I talked to friends of ours yesterday who were evacuated. Get this. They were in bed, right? Wait, they went to bed. No no sign of a fire. No, oh, no, no nothing at all. Phone rings at 1230 in the morning. And the phone says, you know, emergency, emergency alert. They pick up the phone, says evacuate immediately. They left. So they, they thought it was, didn't believe it, looked out their front room window. All they saw was red, red sky. Uh, left with the clothes on their back oh and, and their cat. Oh, my God. And, and, and they have no idea. They're at their daughter's house in San Francisco, have no idea uh, whether their home survived or not, uh, is still there or not. They can't get back to it, and nobody can get into that area. Neighbors or friends can't get up to find out. It's just it's devastating. Uh, on the road into Santa Rosa, off the uh, 101 highway, uh, the the fire r- r- ravaged right through there, uh, burned a uh, high school, total high school destroyed, a Trader Joe's destroyed, restaurants destroyed, hospitals evacuated, an entire trailer park destroyed. It's just, and through Sonoma and Napa, there have been, uh, this is going to have a real impact on the California wine industry, several wineries totally destroyed, um, family wineries um they're, every every building just burned down. Uh, the vineyards, what I saw yesterday, the vineyards themselves may have survived. You know, they're green, not dry, but um, but the properties are just just gone. And a it's lot crazy. of and a lot of the stock that was there, you know, the wine in the barrels gone. Uh, it's just really really devastating. Seventeen seventeen fires, uh, and fifteen people dead so far. That's the situation in California, the last that we have heard. Um, you know, let's start with the NFL. Just get away from Donald Trump for I'd a while. I'd love to. I am so sick of Roger Goodell. I mean, look. What Roger, Roger Goodell sucks. What, he we should does, just say that. Of, for, he, he, and we said that for a long time yeah. for many, many different reasons, right? But what he said yesterday, so he comes out with a statement saying, I believe that every player should stand or else for the national anthem. Uh, and I'm going to meet with the players or the owners maybe next week, and we're going to talk about exactly what new rule uh, that we come out with. Well, the rules of the NFL already say that players should be on the side, must be on the sidelines, and should stand uh, for the national anthem. But the idea that a couple of them did was really no big deal until Donald Trump made this an issue down in Alabama and called the players who didn't stand, the, a cup, the few, the handful who did, sons of bitches, right? Yeah. And what Roger Goodell, and so Donald Trump has whipped up this phony controversy, and what Roger Goodell is doing 
is playing right into Donald Trump's hands. He is taking a knee for Donald Trump. It is disgusting. It is sick. It is cowardly. And it has it totally buys into the Donald Trump effort to misrepresent the playing of the national anthem with the flag, with the military, you know, that it's a football game. It's a freaking football game. You've heard me say I don't even think the national anthem ought to be played at the football game or baseball game or basketball game. It's a it's a sports game. What and we are Americans no matter which team wins. You know, one of the things I think is so interesting about this is how the Trump administration, mostly Donald Trump himself, because this is sort of a one man fight, except for his uh, his servant, Mike Pence. Oh, yeah, of course. But how they how they've turned this from a peaceful protest about how African-Americans are treated in this country to. This is disrespecting the country. This is disrespecting the flag. This is disrespecting and the military. Our, our troops. Yeah, like the troops have nothing to do with this. No, it, like like it, this was started by Colin Kaepernick, where he said like it's not right what happens to African Americans in this country, especially at the hands of the police. And while America is a great country, we can't sit and say that we are a great country for everyone. And all you have That's- to do is read the news. That's what it was all about. That's what he said. And it's been right? turned into this, and, you like, know, uh, saying that NFL players are attacking the military? Yeah, right. Like, what, what so they play the, happening? They play the national anthem, and a couple of guys are on their knees instead of standing. They're on the sidelines. They're just on their knees. BFD, yeah. right? And by the way, this whole, this whole where Roger Goodell is so crazy, stupid, first of all, again, caving into Donald Trump. You know, you don't win... By caving into Donald Trump. No. No. No freaking way. No. No. You know, uh, so he, he, he buys into that whole thing. And the other thing is, you know, again, he, it's a, and by buying into that, he's perpetuating this nonsense that the national standing or sitting or kneeling or whatever for the national anthem has anything to do with not loving your country, not loving the flag, not, not respecting the flag, not respecting the military. We said this before. If the flag stands for anything... It stands for our basic freedoms, which includes the right to peaceful protest, the right for freedom of speech. And if our military are fighting for anything, and by the way, you ask our soldiers, they'll tell you that. If they're fighting for anything in Iraq and Afghanistan or wherever, they're fighting for the basic constitutional freedoms, which include the First Amendment, the right of expression, and the right to protest peacefully. Again, I mean, these players, right, they're not burning cars. They're not looting right. buildings, right? They're not firing into a crowd. They're, they get down on their knee taking for the knee. national... They're taking a knee for the national anthem. And the other thing is about Roger Goodell is, come on, you can't force people <laughs> to be patriotic or to... Wait, if that's... So first of all, if that's your definition of patriotism, you can't force people to do that. You can't. I mean, the Supreme... First, first of all, it doesn't work. Right. But also, the Supreme Court has already said in a case 40 years ago or more with kids and the um, Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. There was an effort to force every student. You have to stand up. You have to do the Pledge of Allegiance. And the Supreme Court has already ruled, said, no, you can't force kids to do that. You know, it's not like foie gras where you're cramming the corn <laughs> down a goose's neck, right? To force them, force feed them, you can't do it. So the whole thing is just, uh, and 
I, I, I thought the first time, that first weekend, when the owners went down and stood with the players, locked arms with the players, I thought that was the right approach, and the whole thing was going to go away. And by the way, it basically had, except for stupid Mike Pence in Indianapolis. Right. Like, nobody cares except for essentially two nobody people. Cares. And Donald Trump said, boycott all the games. Have you seen anybody boycotting the games? It's not going to happen. No, no. They haven't happen. lost any revenue. So why will Roger Goodell do this except he's a big jerk, a big weenie? Yeah, I mean, uh, Roger you know. Goodell, if you just look at his history. What has he done to the NFL? Well, you know, I'll tell you what he's done to the NFL. He's made the NFL owners richer beyond their wildest dreams. Absolutely. He has done and, that. And that really is. And that's to why these, they keep him That's there. why they keep him. That's the only reason <laughs> yep. he's still there. I mean, this guy, in the in just the couple the past couple of years, we've seen him, I don't want to say he covered up some of the domestic violence, but he, he certainly gave a free pass to some of this stuff. He sh- pardon me. He sure did. And by uh, the way, I'm glad you used that phrase, domestic violence. Yeah. So the players who were violent, yeah, he gives a pass. The players who peacefully take a knee, yeah, he's going to force now, to sit. Now he finds now, his spine. Now he's got a yeah. Now he's got some backbone. God. Uh, so uh, by the way, speaking of knuckleheads, uh, we heard from a few knuckleheads on this issue yesterday. Starting with the press secretary of the White House of the United of the President of the United States, uh, Sarah Huckabee, who says, uh, "Yeah, oh, the president's very happy. This is a good move on the part of the NFL." We would certainly support the NFL coming out uh, and asking players to stand, just as the president has done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Roger Goodell and Donald Trump, they deserve each other. And uh, knucklehead number one, Mike Mike Huckabee, Sarah's daddy yesterday. Now, listen very carefully here to the end of this clip. Mike Huckabee is saying their job is just to play football. Uh, I don't know how dumb they can be. This is a football game. Play the game. If you want to get involved in politics, get your name on the ballot, run for office. Or if you want to make a speech, go out to the speech circuit. That's fine. But when you go to work, do your job. And your job is to play football. And these guys need to get that uh, through their uh, sometimes rather banged about heads. Oh, some what a cavalier statement about CTE. Yeah. Right. Uh, that yeah. was basically making light of a public health epidemic. Yeah. Which yes. A lot of people yeah. have not really recognized right. is a public yeah. health epidemic. By, by the way, and it took how long to take the NFL to recognize that? Right. right. And don't forget, Donald Trump, when he uh, originally started talking about this at a rally, I think this was when he was down in Alabama, saying, you know, oh, oh. they, you know, they get taken out of a game. Yeah. Uh, for no. these hits that, you know, they're not allowed to hit as hard as, as right. they used to. Right, which is why their ratings are down, of course, according <laughs> to Donald Trump. Yeah. So, but the other uh, thing about yeah. Mike Huckabee, when he says, play the game, play the game, that's a job, they'll play the game. That's my point. He doesn't get the connection. My point is, yeah, you're there to play the freaking game. Yeah. You're not there to put this phony show of patriotism, right? right? Just play, go there and play the game and forget the freaking national anthem. Just put it aside, right? Also, like, I, I'm a little, I mean, it's a little transparent to see guys like Donald Trump, Newt Gingrich, Mike Huckabee, all mm. coming out and telling young black men, shut up and entertain me, boy. Yeah, right. Good point. Like, it, it's a little transparent and a little gross. Uh, and final knucklehead here on this issue. Uh, why would Kaepernick and anybody want to protest anyhow? Because... There has been no um, discrimination at all in this country, probably since we ended probably since we ended slavery. I mean, if you don't believe that, just ask 
Uh, Mike Ditka. Jesus. Muhammad Ali rose to the top. Jesse Owens is one of the classiest individuals that ever lived. But all of a sudden, it's become a big deal now about oppression. There has been no oppression in the last hundred years that I know of. Yeah. Been no oppression in the last hundred years that he knows of. Less than one second into this clip, you know it's going to go bad. Muhammad. <laughs> the way that he says Muhammad. Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Muhammad. Muhammad. Notice he mentions Muhammad Ali and Jesse Owens, right? Uh, <sighs> God. By, by the way, way, somebody pointed out, by, by the way, that, that Mike Ditka right now is the same age that Emmett Till would have been. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. If Emmett Till was still alive, he would actually be just a little bit older, like one year older than Mike did. But there's been no oppression. But there's been the no last, oppression no. in the last hundred no, years? A hundred years, he's no. saying? Yeah, yeah, right. Well, like, we, we had cameras to capture what happened in all of, I mean, Alabama, just for starters. Yeah. Now, uh, don't, don't ask me. I am speechless when it comes to this. It is so outrageous, the whole thing. It just makes a mockery of the First Amendment, makes a mockery of the national anthem, of, of the whole thing. And Donald Trump started, and for Roger Goodell to play into it is just sick. Twi Jamie. Getting some comments on Twitter and in the YouTube chat room. We'll start there, youtube.com backslash The Bill Press Show. A New York girl says, I'd like to see a large number of fans kneel. What will Trump do then? The owners won't kick fans out. Money will win then. Uh, you have someone who uh, apparently disagrees with you pretty strongly, Bill. Guy Guy says, dirtbag spitting on the hero cops of America. Go F yourself, Bill. Again, someone misses the point. One more comment Wait, from... Spitting on the I'm, cops of America. I'm spitting on the cops of America? Apparently. How? You no. want the anthem to go away and you, you know, think players it's, should it's, have their right it, to protest? It just proves that even on progressive radio or television <laughs> or online, some idiots just end up there by mistake. We so, call them trolls. Yeah. One just more comment. Go away, go away. One more comment from Twitter. KG1, go our friend. Donald Trump KG1 ass. on Twitter. Yeah, when it's your job, Hobby Lobby, just do it and keep politics out of it. <laughs> yeah, right. Or on Twitter, at BP Show, on YouTube, youtube.com backslash the Bill Press Show. All right. Uh, yes, even dissenting comments uh, uh, accepted. We'll but let them come through. Come we'll on. We'll let them come through, but uh, don't expect us not to respond. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, the uh, juvenile down at the White House was at it again yesterday. We uh, told you about his tweet yesterday morning uh, about uh, Bob Corker, you know, um, the senator from Tennessee, who um, Donald Trump, after Donald Trump accused him of not having the guts to run for re-election, uh, Bob Corker's response was, "It's too bad the White House has turned been turned into an adult daycare facility, and obviously somebody missed their shift this morning." So Donald Trump's response was to fire back, as he did all during the campaign, belittling personal attacks, belittling um, the uh, the senator from Tennessee. We remember it was uh, Little Marco, right? No, um, no, Lion Ted. Yeah, it was Little Marco, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Little Marco. Little Marco, Lion Ted. Not to be confused with Little Bob Corker. Ba a low, a low energy Jeb. <laughs> Everybody had a name. La uh, Crooked Hillary. Sure. Right. So now it is Little Bob Corker. Uh, by the way, it does seem that Donald Trump does have a size issue. Uh, I was reading <laughs> this morning, uh, I think it was Peter Baker, who said that when, when Bob Corker was one of the candidates for Secretary of State, uh, and of course, as head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, he would have been a leading candidate. 
Uh, but Donald Trump told people he rejected, he didn't want him because he thought he was too short <laughs> to get the respect of people around the world. Well, it didn't stop so, hiring Sean Spicer. So, no, but so then he picks the the big Rex Tillerson, right? Uh, Rex Tillerson, for now, from whom he, he uh, <laughs> is challenging to an IQ test. But on Corker yesterday, Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, at the White House, uh, they, they the, the White House just continued. They're not trying to calm down this fight between uh, Trump and uh, and Corker. They are escalating it. Here's Sarah Huckabee Sanders saying um, Corker's not telling the truth, basically. Senator Corker is certainly entitled to his own opinion, but he's not entitled to his own facts. Uh, the fact is this president has been a, an incredibly strong leader on foreign policy and national security. Whoa. Jeez. Is that a fact? Donald Trump, an incredibly strong leader on national security. <clears throat> yeah, uh, we haven't seen that. But by the way, Sarah Huckabee Sanders should have given credit to the late uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who coined that phrase, That's you're right. entitled to your own opinions, but not to your own f- facts. Um, I think uh, Bob Corker has spoken nothing but the facts when he said that uh, at the White House, there are two or three people whose entire job is try to restrain and contain um, the man in charge yeah. from making a total fool of himself and maybe taking us to war in uh, North Korea. What a job. Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, echoing her boss, saying, blaming Bob Corker for the Iran nuclear deal. He may have voted against the deal uh, ultimately, but he not only allowed the deal to happen, he gave it credibility. Okay, so Corker voted against the deal, but he's responsible for it. Can you follow that logic? I mean, what she's saying is because he's chairman of the committee, he should never have let the deal get to the floor. Well, he voted against it, but he's only one vote. I mean, it just... First of well, all, Trump doesn't know how many senators it requires to pass a bill. No, so right, it, right. the bar's pretty low here. Yeah. This of course, the surprise. bottom line is it's a good deal. It, it, it got it ran off the nuclear track for 15 years. But but you can't blame it on the guy who voted no. This is what I, I think is so interesting about Donald Trump is trying to figure out whether or not he's just being stupid or evil in these situations. Like, does he honestly not know that Bob Corker voted no for that? Or is he just lying yeah. to make his point? I, I, I really, honestly, I don't know because he's so senile and yet he's also so evil. And the thing of it is, though, that we've seen, he thrives. He thrives on these personal attacks. Yeah. Jeff Sessions, Rex Tillerson, Bob Corker, Mitch Rex, McConnell. He challenged Rex Tillerson to an IQ test yesterday. Yeah, yeah. and then Sarah Sanders <laughs> says that was all a joke. The last thing on, um, uh, so on, on Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Bob Corker, talk about uh, you're entitled to your own opinion but not to your own facts. Here's what Sarah Sanders says. Sarah Huckabee Sanders says about Donald Trump alienated. He's alienated nobody. I don't think he's alienated anyone. I think that Congress has alienated themselves uh, by not actually getting the job done that the people of this country elected them to do. You know, it says the woman we, representing the man who was playing golf again on Monday yeah. and played golf all weekend. But if we ran through the list of people that Donald Trump has alienated, oh my God. either as candidate or as president or even just as president, we don't have enough time left. You know, we have an hour and a half left. We 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 would not we wouldn't get through the list, yeah. right? He alienates everybody who 
who looks at them crosswise, right? I mean, you go to the media, you go half half the members, at least half of the Republicans, not to mention the Democrats and the Congress. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Alienated no one. All right, let's get the latest in on, uh, <clears throat> yeah, Harvey Weinstein, uh, out of a job, fired from his job, and now out of a marriage, uh, his wife saying, I want nothing more to do with you yesterday, a bombshell. So the New York Times is the first that, that reported uh, that there were uh, up to, he had settled up to eight cases of sexual harassment. Uh, that resulted in his uh, taking a leave of absence, and that resulted in his being fired. Yesterday, the New Yorker magazine came out uh, with even more on Harvey Weinstein saying that of those, of uh, that there were actually not eight, but 13 women, and out of thir- those 13, three of these women actually accuse uh, have have leveled accusations of rape against Harvey Weinstein, uh, and and then uh, the New York New York Times again followed up with a report that Angelina Jolie and Gwyneth Paltrow were among the actresses who had uh, who had complained about being sexually harassed by uh, Harvey Weinstein. So it just grows and grows and grows, and then as part of the New Yorker piece. Um, Ronan Farrow, of all people, yeah. wrote this piece. Uh, he interviewed all 13 women, and one of them, the young actress Ambra Gutierrez, uh, who he grabbed her breast at one time. She reported to the police, and they said, wear a wire next time you have anything to do with him. She did, uh, and here he is trying to get her into his hotel room. I'm going to take a shower. You sit there and have a drink. Water. Don't drink. Can I stay on the bar? No. You must come here now. No. Please. No, I don't want to. I'm not doing anything with you. I know. Now you're embarrassing me. I'm sorry. I I cannot. No, yesterday was a kind of aggressive for me. I I need to know a person to be touched. I won't do a thing. I won't do a thing. I won't do a thing. And now. That that, that tape is really stunning because I, I think that. For a lot of men, even, they think of sexual harassment or sexual assault as being some sort of, like, um, there's, like, some violence equated to it, right? But, like, you have to remember, this is a guy in power who has some control over her professional life. He he grabbed her breast, which she admitted to doing on this tape. By the way, she says, "Why did you grab my?" But breast? I've got to. That's that. That's, Sorry, I didn't mean to no. The play the next one, right? But like, that's what it looks like. It's not necessarily an aggressive, in the sense of you know, no. loud and and violent. No, not in the, not in the, uh, the cases of rape were for sure, 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 but not in this case. You know what it is? It's a. You're right. It's a man of extreme power. This is a young woman. Who has a? This is her. She wants to be a star. She sure. wants. You know, this is her chance. Here is the guy who has all the power over whether or not she gets this job or not. So he continues to say, "Yeah, you know, well, yeah, grab your breast. Well, that's who I am. I get, get just get used to it." I'm not going to do anything. I swear, my children. Swear come up. on everything. I'm a famous I'm, guy. I'm feeling please, very uncomfortable right please now. Please come in now, and one minute. And if you want to leave, when the guy comes with my Why jacket, you can go. you touch my breast? Oh, please, I'm sorry. Just come on. I'm used to that. I'm used, used to that. that? Nah, I'm used to that. No, but I'm not used to that. I won't do it again. Come on. See yeah. you. Uh, so some of you may have been surprised to hear that about Harvey Weinstein. Here's one man who was not surprised to hear about Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He told reporters yesterday. I've known uh, Harvey Weinstein for a long time. I'm not at all surprised to see it. Yeah. 
Donald Trump, not at all surprised. You know why? Because they were buddies in New York. They probably swapped stories about sexual harassment. And got to say this, as bad as Harvey Weinstein is, as bad as everything he did was, what Donald Trump did was a lot worse. And Donald Trump is president of the United States. He is more of a danger to all women in the United States than yeah. Harvey Weinstein ever was. Yeah. True. All right. That's uh, a little rundown for some of the big news of the day. A lot a lot else going on, uh, particularly right here on Capitol Hill. And we'll get the latest from our good friend from Wisconsin, Congressman Mark Pocan, joining us next here in studio. Stay tuned. These guys need to get that uh, through their uh, sometimes rather banged about heads. Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It's a Wednesday, October 11, a beautiful day here in our nation's capital. Uh, and it's good to have you with us here for The Bill, Bill Press Show as we roll through the news of the day. Thanks today to the American Federation of Teachers. Our Teachers of America, under the leadership of President Randy Weingarten, making a big difference in the classrooms every day. You bet. Thank them for their support uh, and the good work that they do uh, for America's children every day. Uh, Yes, here in Washington, D.C., it's just hard keeping up with all the news because the insults back and forth between the White House and Republicans in the Senate uh, just escalate every day. I don't know. Uh, Congressman Mark Pocan from Wisconsin's 2nd District joins us. It's sort of like watching a tennis match, right? You know, uh, you know. But I gotta you're admit, the, I'm really enjoying watching this tennis <laughs> match. <laughs> he needs every vote he could get so that the wealthiest could get a tax break in this country on the backs of the middle class. And here he is picking a fight with them. Yeah. And then Sarah Huckabee Sanders is out blaming them for what he should be doing as the leader. And I'm, I've got to admit, it's uh, you know, until 2018, this is what we've got. So. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad you yeah raised that point because it, it seems to me, okay, you want to get tax reform done by the end of the year, okay? They want to do it, of course, just themselves, just like they tried to do with repeal of mm-hmm. Obamacare without any Democrats. So they want to do it with, with just Republicans. So they had 52 Republicans, all right? You need every last one. I mean, yeah. he <laughs> is proceeding to alienate every last one, right? It makes it makes no sense. And, you know, I, I know he wants to challenge the Secretary of State to a, a Mensa contest. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I have my own Mensa contest. If you go to Puerto Rico and you hand out, throw out rolls of paper towel to people, yeah. either you are so unbelievably brilliant or maybe you shouldn't be challenging people to men's attests, yeah. right? So maybe this is just another example of what he's doing wrong. One thing I know about people is every time that someone in my life has said, like, I bet my IQ is higher than yeah. yours. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. not so yeah. sure about that. But, you know, like, not to give George W. Bush any credit, mm-hmm. George W. Bush, we used to say he was terrific at politics but terrible at policy, yeah. right? Like, he would have never pissed off this many senators to get a piece of legislation that he knew he needed to get done, he just wouldn't have done that. This is like stuff you learn in fourth grade, right? Like <laughs> right. it's not like it's it's complicated stuff he's doing, but when you're you're taking on these major fights, 
with so many people that he needs the votes for. And, you know, we got to learn to quit calling it tax reform. This is tax cuts for oh, the wealthiest, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Um, there's yeah. nothing really offered to the middle class. If you double the exemption, but you take away all the other things, uh, ultimately, according to, you know, University of Chicago economists, you're going to wind up paying more to pay for his tax cuts, for the estate tax cut, for uh, the pass-through, all the other things he wants to do. Alternative minimum tax, right. getting rid of exactly. that, the whole yeah. thing. No, it is. It's just a series of tax cuts for the wealthy, yeah. from what we've seen of it so far. Right. Uh, even, even so, so the the dispute with Bob Corker doesn't help matters, I guess. But even before that, do you really think that there was a chance that they could get these tax cuts done before the end of the year? Well, you know, I think this is harder than health care, realistically, because I'd say 20 percent of the meetings I have in Congress are people who come by who want to preserve their tax break. You got it. And I'm not in the majority party. So you can imagine how many meetings they have. Right. So this is yeah. not easy to do in the way they're trying to do. But they're also not trying to do it right anyway. I mean, they're not just trying to simplify the tax code for everybody. They're just trying to cut it for the people on the top. And ultimately, there's not that many people on the top. So if they can't produce that grassroots support um, and then it's complicated because of all the special interests maneuvering, how are you going to get that done so easily? And I think what they're almost doing with these fights is trying to, again, blame Congress for something they can't get done because Donald Trump is just not very talented or good at his job. Right. Um, There was, I think the last time we talked, there was the glimmer of hope uh, that uh, Nanchuk... (laughs) Nancy and Chuck Schumer, our reporter friend Jen Benry from uh, Huffington Post has dubbed it Nanchuk, (laughs) that Nanchuk and Donald Trump might be able to make a deal on the Dreamers, on DACA. Well, they made a deal, and then the the dealer-in-chief went back on his deal. Yeah. Thank you very much, Nancy. Chuck, appreciate it very much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's what happened. He went back with this list of demands. What what happened is he got ahead of... His base, and it's all he cares about, right? He's the president of his base of the United States, right? That's all he ever thinks about. And he realized that when he was actually doing something right, which was trying to fix the problem that he created to begin with around DACA, um, that you know he was just trying to, I think, get a little win, right? He knew he wasn't getting any money for the wall. He wasn't getting enhanced yeah. security. There's no way Dems are going to go for those stupid ideas. But, you know, if he wanted to do a few other little things that have been discussed, that there might be a path to get this done and do it right. But that as soon as, you know, his base found out that he, what he said was a lie all along about what he real, his real intentions were with the border wall and everything else, then he had to go back on his word. So it just shows that, you know, you can't actually cut a deal with someone who is uh, as... as unreliable and maybe, you know, uh, dishonest ultimately is is how Donald Trump deals. I mean, the list of demands that, Ridiculous. Uh, right, non-negotiable demands, so-called, 10,000 new ICE agents, 370 Good. judges, what's that, 1,000 new federal attorneys. Thank plus, God for smaller Republican government. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and the wall and, and um, the ability to, 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 to send kids back sooner, right? Yeah, isn't the wall now, haven't we understood it's basically a fence, the way yeah. he described it the one I mean, day? If you can see through it, unless he's David Copperfield, well, you're no. not seeing through brick, right? So I think right. we've figured out it's, it's a fence. But, but, but it's going to be a beautiful wall. <laughs> no, that's right. He's walked back on that so oh fast. My God. Every yeah. time he describes it, there's some other little... Fa- First of all, it's going to have solar panels on top of <laughs> right. it. Yes. You're going to be able to see <laughs> through right. it. Yes. That. See through it. And it's going to have a door so the agricultural workers can come through. <laughs> 
through a, a, a gate, you know, it's not like. So we should have a contest. Someone to actually draw the wall. What this is, you know, it's kind of <laughs> no. like when people describe something. Everyone will have a different yeah. view it's of what so it looks like. It's so convoluted. <laughs> like I've never seen a political issue be so convoluted so quickly. I mean, during the campaign, we're going to build a big wall, and Mexico is going to pay for it. Yeah. And then it immediately became, we're going to have a big wall, and now. We're going to pay for right. it, and then it became well. It's not really going to be a. Wall. It's like what the it's hell? A see-through wall. It's a. Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> it's amazing. I saw yesterday that um, what is 114 members, Democrats in the House, signed mm-hmm. a send a letter to uh, Secretary Mattis about uh, the ban on transgenders in the military. Right. I would be willing to bet money you're one of the ones who signed that letter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And <laughs> um, you, maybe you wrote that letter. And I'll tell you, but. there's even I mean more people that probably have the same sentiment across the aisle as well. I mean, I, I, this was one that surprised me because um, I have um, Tea Party folks uh, in my family uh, through marriage, and um, a comment came back from one of them on Facebook that how wrong this decision was when he'd made it, and I was surprised. But what they, their attitude is, if anyone's willing to serve the country, they should be able to serve the country, Amen. period, right? Yeah, and they're you know, on the uniform, defend us. God bless you. And don't forget how this came. This came because there's a Republican congressperson from Kansas who's so obsessed by her insecurities, apparently around sexual orientation and, and people who are different mm-hmm. than her, that she wanted to take away um, the the medical care for people who are transgender, couldn't get it passed, don't colleagues ditched her in the Republican Party on it. So then she said, I'm going to hold up a different bill that Trump wanted if he didn't do something about medical care. And he went farther and just said an outright ban. So this whole thing has been created out of confusion to begin with. And the military doesn't want it. So, you know, I think this is one where, again, hopefully at some point, um, more rational thoughts will come in. And again, the military has been standing up, I think, far better than the president. Well, we thought that the military, at first, it looked like he, he tweeted this out and then Mattis just sort of yeah. said, no, okay, so he sent out a tweet. <laughs> but then he signed an executive order or a rule saying that they have Which to do gonna this. Which they're going to have to. Now, can point. Mattis still well, ignore the president's directive? Hopefully they can do is to show a report that shows that this is irrational and unnecessary and maybe slow walk and maybe still try to convince the president or wait for him to either get kicked out of office or uh, leave on his own um, and and then try to do a, a change on it. But clearly, you know, this is one where um, it, it, anyone who wants to serve the country, you know, up to 15,000 people should not uh, simply because of who they are be kicked out of the service for honorable service. So in your letter to Mattis, what was your request? Um, I, again, I think you know, just we're all trying to get this done and over with. I mean, this is another yeah. manufactured crisis by Donald Trump, and um, yet it affects real people. And you know, whether it be DACA and the eight hundred thousand people, or this and fifteen thousand people, every time you get a new thing, a new. Um, at best, I guess, a mind fart from the president on some of these <laughs> ideas uh, that he puts out in Twitter and then we have to kind of figure out how to deal with and roll back. It's just really, um, it's so against the principles of this country. And I guess that's what really bothers me. You know, Charlottesville, for me, was the absolute rock bottom. You know, when he came out and said, oh, there are God. very fine people who are Klansmen and white supremacists and neo-Nazis. That's the guy's true heart. You know, this is a guy who doesn't show a fitness for office. And and then everything we see since then continues to have that uh, action just reinforced. And you can't just attack everyone who doesn't agree with him. He's the ultimate, you know, get off my lawn guy in the country. And, uh, and fortunately, he's also the commander in chief. Um, so uh, on this, just related to the transgender issue, it looks like we could have a... And we, we thought we'd move beyond this, maybe, Congressman, but um, 
it looks like we could have in the United States Senate next year a Republican who believes that um, homosexuality should be illegal, as he told me in an interview mm -hmm. on C-SPAN back in 2005, which bubbled up recently. Yeah. And he still believes that. Yeah. I mean, illegal, illegal activity. And I, I pushed him. You, you, you're talking about in, in, in the behind a bedroom door, consensual sex, in private, two consenting mm -hmm. adults. Yes, illegal. Yeah. This is part of... You know, the, the Tea Party, right, we've seen grow since 2010 in bubble up is the exact right words for all of these creatures uh, that <laughs> yep, have right. come up out of this because this is not mainstream um, thought. This is not the values and principles of, of the country. And yet, you know, because we've created this environment, the Tea Party, and a lot of people like the Koch brothers and other rich Republicans funded it thinking they were going to get a political advantage. They created a Frankenstein monster that they can't control anymore. And now you get primaries where they throw out incumbent, um, you know, people and they put in people like Roy Moore. And, you know, this is pretty much scraping the barrel uh, as far yeah. as putting people yeah. in office. Someone who's been actually having to, he's been suspended twice as a Supreme Court yes. Uh, yes. justice. Yeah, uh, over. Uh, 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 Chief Justice. Chief Justice, yeah. He was Chief Justice and, yeah. and thrown out both twice. Yeah, so clearly it makes him qualified in this crazy administration to put him in charge of uh, being in the it, U.S. Senate. It's like, it, for me anyway, as as a progressive, mm -hmm. it's, it's exciting to see this happen, but it's also kind of scary. Because like in a lot of ways, it's kind of like, I'm really having a good time watching these Republicans having to square with all these people that they gave a voice to for so long that are now coming back to bite them in the butt. Mm -hmm. And so I get a certain pleasure out of that, but then I think to myself, Senator Roy Moore, right. like what what damage could he bring to the rest of the country? Because a couple of yahoos, members of my family in Alabama, <laughs> elected him <Yeah. laughs> to public office. You know, like we as a country could get held hostage politically by a guy who just wants to serve his constituents in Alabama. And you know how Donald Trump operates. So if this congressperson from Kansas is so homophobic that she wants to block medical care to transgender mm -hmm. people who serve the military that the response then from the president is to ban them yeah. from being in the military what will he do for Roy Moore right yeah. that's ultimately the problem so these scary people that win through these primaries out of gerrymandered districts uh, and then wind up uh, being the nominee and therefore getting elected because it's a deep red district or a deep red state for that matter you know, this is the reality that that we get with Donald Trump and the Tea Party. By the way, I, I saw the number. I don't remember, but the the number of the fifteen thousand you, you mm -hmm. estimate up to fifteen thousand yeah. uh, transgender people now in the military. Uh, it's a small percentage of them who do decide to go forward with an actual operation, right. and the cost of that is such a minuscule part of the defense budget. That the idea, right, yeah. th that you even have to have that legislation, which he introduced, is ridiculous. Oh, no, this and then is people to take who are it just to Donald Trump's extreme, deeply bigoted, deeply homophobic, can't handle uh, the issue for whatever reason, whether it's internalized uh, or, or externalized problems that they have, and then they try to manifest it through some kind of attack on a certain type of people. And, and you know, the problem is, it's not just though. I, I think what I, I spoke at an LGBT dinner last Friday back home in Wisconsin, and you know. 
quite honestly, I didn't talk much about LGBT issues. I talked about the attacks on young African-American males who now supposedly if you take a knee to, as a statement of your First Amendment rights, you're uh, committing a major offense in this country. I talk about the, the DACA kids, you know, the teenage girl who's been here since she's three. Now she's 18. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to send back to a country that they probably don't speak the language at. I talk about the Muslim kid who's, you know, getting discriminated against simply because this president you know, puts out these travel bans against entire groups of people. And I talked about, you know, the, all the tax on women's health care right now that we're facing uh, by our our grabber in chief, uh, Donald Trump. And, you know, this is what it's all about. We all have to stand together on all of these issues, regardless of what regardless of what group you may represent. It's not about your tribe anymore. It's about all of us as a village, you know, really fighting back and defending each other. And, um, you know, this is times that we have to do this because right now it's whatever group is under the attack, but within a couple of weeks it'll be another group under the attack. Congressman Paul, Paul uh, Mark Pocan from <laughs> Wisconsin here with us, um, Wisconsin's second congressional district. So including the great city of Madison, Wisconsin. Absolutely. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I you know I'm not a big sports fan, but it seems to me I recall that there is a certain football team in Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's America's team. It's the only community-owned team, the Packers, of course. <laughs> so I was going to ask you about the NFL. You alluded to it right then and there. Uh, Roger Goodell yesterday, for the, the commissioner for the NFL, came forward and said basically Donald Trump is right. We're going to force our players to stand for the national anthem. Unfortunate caving in. I mean, this is a non-issue, right? This is a manufactured issue by Donald Trump. If individual people who want to make uh, to express their First Amendment rights because they have a little bit of a profile want to be able to talk about what's happening to so many young African American males who are um, getting pulled over and often profiled for the color of their skin, totally. in some cases shot uh, for the color of their skin by some rogue officers. You know, I I know multiple. African-American state legislators from Wisconsin who have expressed to me their stories of discrimination. One, a former legislator who talked about being outside the White House here during the Clinton uh, era um, in a tuxedo and couldn't get a cab because someone wouldn't pick him up. And I was actually with him here in D.C. This is uh, maybe 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Uh, and we were, he went out to get a cab and couldn't get a cab. Two of us joined, a Caucasian woman and myself joined him. We got a cab immediately. And then he asked mm. the question, would you um, have picked me up if I was out here alone? And the driver actually said, oh, no. And he said, why? He goes, well, you're probably going somewhere I didn't want to go. I've watched this happen to professional African-American state legislators yeah. from my state. This is a reality that still happens, and it shouldn't happen. So the fact that they are simply taking a knee. You know, I was one of three people to take a knee on the floor that week right after all this happened mm -hmm. because I wanted to join in solidarity. I just believe so much this is a time we have to have solidarity with everyone who's being attacked and marginalized by this president for his own self-serving reasons. And, uh, you know, what happened yesterday was just unfortunate. They caved for no reason to cave, uh, and now they've made uh, the players uh, less uh, you know, for being able to express well, their First Amendment rights. Right. And what Donald Trump is saying, and what Roger uh, Goodell now seems to echo and, and agree with, is if you take a knee, you are uh, anti-American, anti-flag, anti-military. Yeah, just the opposite. It's a different way of showing that same respect. They respect this country and its ideals 
which we're not living up to right now for everyone, and especially under this president. So their simple protest was to respect the flag during the national anthem, but they did it through showing uh, taking a knee to also respect the people that aren't being uh, covered by that promise of this great country. So, you know, again, a, a terrible call uh, that was a yeah. manufactured issue to divert Donald Trump from all his inefficiencies he's having uh, as well, president and, you know, again, uh, just a unfortunate well, period of time. Well, he succeeded. I mean, for the last two weeks, that's all anybody's yeah. talking about. Then he sends his flunky out to Indianapolis last weekend, right? Oh, to, that was just w- embarrassing. I mean, because then he even tweeted out, <laughs> I told them to do this, yeah. you know, and it's like, we planned this for a while. And then so now it's oh. But, you know, I mean, Mike Pence, come on. Embarrassing Mike Pence, those go together. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> so, uh, as... I want to catch up. You are now the co-chair, correct, of the Progressive Caucus? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, what? Where? What is the state of the progressive movement today in the Democratic Party? I'll tell you. I mean, we are the vibrant part of the Democratic Party across the country right now. You know, we're looking at um, all these candidates we have running for office, and there's going to be multiple primaries for Congress uh, and many other um, offices going into 2018. And you look, and so much of it is centered around this progressive activism where people are at, real people are at where progressives are at, right, on the issues, the ones that are hitting the streets, that are calling their elected officials, that are working with all the groups nationally. So where where the movement's at right now? And where, Big, the, where the energy's at, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, the challenge we have is, for example, in, in Albuquerque, uh, as an example, uh, my friend Michelle Luhan Grisham uh, is running for governor, and I'm going to go help her in, in January down there. Uh, but we have we were hoping to find a good progressive to run. Right now there's at least three strong progressives uh, running out of nine people in a primary for a congressional seat. So in a way it's like a, a wealth of candidates and people running for office. The difficulty then, you know, we have to make sure that out of a nine-way primary, as you know, a lot of things yeah. can happen. So we're, we're hoping that we'll be able to see a lot of these progressives get elected to Congress. We're going to help them do that through the Progressive Caucus. Uh, forget his name, but a progressive uh, elected as the new mayor of Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. Last week. And you know, yeah. if you look, that's where a lot of the momentum is in these. And in the local offices, they can still impact change where we can't federally and in some states you can't, but they can still be those laboratories that are doing the progressive policies. And then we've got that in place for when we wind up you know, getting back in power to, to get these things done. But right now, the the clear momentum in the progr- in the progressive movement, it, it, or within Democratic Party, is the progressive movement. And we keep gaining members yeah. for our progressive caucus right now. In fact, you know, it's, it's amazing how many new people have never been really identified but voted progressive who suddenly yeah. understand that's a good brand to have. They weren't willing to be identified as progressive. But you know, Congressman, uh, and I'm, you know, where I am. I, I'm, yeah. I'm with you all the way. But you know that this is making some establishment Democrats very nervous, and they're issuing warnings. Oh, we got to be careful because these people could take us so far to the left that we lose the mainstream, and we could never win again. And you know, we got to, you know, don't rock the boat here. Yeah, I mean, but you know, again, you that's not them? where people are at. So people are going to vote more than the the naysayers who are afraid of their shadows or afraid of upsetting the special interests. You know, when I saw Chuck Schumer begin the year, put Tammy Baldwin, Bernie Sanders, and Elizabeth Warren in his his leadership team, I saw he got it. And that's positive, right? And he's actually met with 
the Progressive Caucus co-chairs, along with our Quad Caucus uh, in Congress, on a number of issues this year. So, you know, uh, there's always going to be naysayers, and there's some, I've watched them as well, the talking heads yeah, who want to bring yeah, us back to yeah. when the corporations ran the party um, <laughs> or had too much influence maybe in the party. Uh, and, you know, we're pretty happy with the direction of where we're at right now, and I think you're going to have an amazing amount of progressives around the country running. People like Randy Bryce in, in the first district. Iron Stash. Uh, Iron Stash. Hey, I, man, I, Iron Stash. We love <laughs> that know, guy. I'll tell you. Yeah, he has an absolute chance to get elected to Congress. Paul Ryan is MIA in Wisconsin. He's never really fit the district. This is a deindustrialized part of Wisconsin. My hometown, 14,000 people used to make cars. No one does now. Janesville, his hometown, Paul Ryan's hometown, 10,000 people. No one makes cars now. I'll tell you, an iron worker like Randy Bryce is going to connect a lot better than a guy who orders $350 bottles of wine in Washington, D.C., like Paul Ryan. There's just a world of difference, and uh, Randy's running a really great race. Well, yeah. No, we love him. Love him. You know, when you iron talk worker. about all this this sort of the, the progressives rising mm-hmm. in the party, I, I mentioned this yesterday, but I thought it was such a telling moment when uh, Bernie Sanders and Amy Klobuchar debated mm-hmm. uh, g- the Graham-Cassidy bill with Graham and Cassidy. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of sort of mainline, mainstream Democrats who were going, oh, my God, they're going to have to go up there and talk about how Bernie Sanders is for single payer. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. That's- <laughs> like, 60-something percent of Americans are on board with single payer. Well, Let's have that argument. So here's, if I, you don't mind, let me, so, so everyone was so like excited when Bernie introduced here. the bill, right? Yeah. And we're glad he introduced the bill to the Senate. 17 senators <laughs> followed. We've had the bill for years in the House. We have over yeah. 60% of the House Democrats, <laughs> 120 people as sponsors. So yeah. it is, it's the mainstream position of the Democratic Party now. Today. To there. Yes. Yeah. No, Absolutely. indeed. That's John Conyers legislation. So anyhow, you are right out in the front lines there, my friend. Thank you so much for Absolutely, us. thank you. Thanks for all you. you're doing. Congressman Mark Bocan. Paul Singer from USA Today joins us top of the hour here. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. Uh, the family feud continues uh, between Donald Trump and uh, Senator Robert Corker. Uh, Donald Trump now calling him Little Robert, L-I-D-D-L-E. Uh, hello, everybody. Yes, this adolescent behavior at the White House, as uh, Bob Corker said, maybe somebody missed their shift again today. Uh, it is the Bill Press Show on a Wednesday, October 11th. So good to see you today. Thank you for joining us as we boom out to you live from our nation's capital and our studio right in the heart of the action right here on Capitol Hill. Uh, we'll tell you what's going on uh, in the Congress, down at the White House, across the country and the rest of the world, uh, and then get your comments. Uh, we want to hear from you what you think about the news of the day, send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. 
So much going on. We need a good friend to help us uh, wade through it today. And we found one, Paul Singer, from uh, USA Today, Washington correspondent for USA Today, and a neighbor here on Capitol Hill joining us. Hello, Paul. Good to see you. Good to see you, neighbor. How are you? Yeah, you, that's right. We're good. We got, man, so much happening in this neighborhood, by the way. We don't want to spend too much time on that. But <laughs> this new project across the street, we are. huge. Yeah. And yeah. the new Trader Joe's. In there's our, there's a Trader Joe's. You know, my father was a huge fan of snack foods. Uh, so his favorite comment every time he would walk into Trader Joe's was, ooh. <laughs> oh, Look at that. I'll take one of those. <laughs> Trader Joe's had, does have the snack food game yeah. on, on lock. It's, they got it on lock. They, they, they yeah, really do a good no, job they're, really, they're really good at it. So. Yeah. Yes. But, but it makes it makes me worry about our eastern market, our, our ancient market here. Yeah. Well, we have to continue to support the eastern market, exactly. but it's good to have Trader Joe's in the neighborhood, too. So all of that we'll get into with all the news of the day with Paul Singer and with all of you. But first... This Peter Ogburn with the headlines. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of yeah. stories making news last night were the BET Hip Hop Awards. And we found out someone who really, really, really doesn't like Donald Trump is... Rapper Eminem. He freestyled a rap that aired. He had originally he had taped it earlier, then they played it back last night. Uh, he described the president as a quote kamikaze that'll probably cause a nuclear holocaust. And he also sa- said that any fan of mine who's a supporter of Trump, he doesn't want anymore. He doesn't want those fans. So you can't like Eminem and Donald Trump, according to Eminem. Okay. You know, Kid Rock and Eminem are from the uh, the same city. Detroit. Yeah. Kid Rock actually put out a statement. Excuse me. Senator Rock. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say, future Rock, Senate primary. <laughs> but, but, Kid Rock versus Eminem. <laughs> put out a statement saying he did not agree with Eminem's comments. He's very upset. About Thank it. you, Kid Rock. Yes. Wow. Let's talk football. Not that football, but the soccer world. Well, the United States men's soccer team. How embarrassing. Will not be going to the World Cup this year. They lost to Trinidad and Tobago last night. Two to one was the final score, which means they will not be going to the World it's Cup. Like it's like losing their... to a JV team. No, no, no. That's a powerhouse Trinidad team. They are, are, are <laughs> world. I don't know. It's the first time <laughs> the U.S. letters or something. It's the, it's the first time that the U.S. men's team has been excluded from the event since 1986. Now, I will point out that the best soccer team in the world happens to be here in America. It is the Women's, women's soccer US team. Women's and in team. case you haven't been paying attention, this weekend is the final for the uh, National Women's Soccer League here in America between the Portland Thorns and the North Carolina team. And I forget what the what their name is. But there's the final this weekend, which you can watch on Lifetime. I encourage all of you to do it. So, all right. you know, you got other options out there. It, it is embarrassing not to, not to be represented in the World Cup by the men. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I... T- Women's soccer is more entertaining. It's better to watch. I mean, watch women's soccer. Embarrassing, not embarrassing. Every now and then the Yankees lose, and that's good. So, you know, whether you're talking about the New York Yankees or you're talking about. Even the Red Sox lose once in a while. I know. Thanks, Bill. I don't want to talk about the Nationals. They got like a must win game today. Bill, should we talk about your Cubs or? (laughs) Bill has adopted the Cubs. No, I am (laughs) in the playoffs. I am for the Nationals. They don't win. I'm in totally the, in the, the, in the playoffs. I am for the match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Congressman Wynn said, like, you know, like Hillary, Hillary Clinton, which, which team were you for? <laughs> your 
radio, on TV, and online. This is The Bill Press Show. What do you say, folks? Great to see you today, Wednesday, October 11. Here we are, The Bill Press Show. Yes, live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., bringing you all the news of the day, as such as it is, and looking forward to hearing from you and getting your comments on Twitter at BP Show. We're joining you, of course, online on, uh, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Looking at you on Free Speech TV and on the great progressive voice out in the greater Chicago area, WCPT. Welcome, welcome, with lots to talk about. Paul Singer joins us from USA Today, Washington correspondent. And Paul, let's see, we could start with, it's sort of like, uh, we'll just give you the choice, right? Know, we could start true. with Rex Tillerson, we could start with uh, Bob Corker, we could start with the NFL, uh, or we could start with um, Susan Collins saying she's not sure she's going to run for governor, but she's going to tell us on Friday. Yeah, right. <laughs> going back in two weeks, it's a, it's one of these sort of, the reality show thing has taken over everybody, right? It's like, it has. Well, just wait, just wait. I'll tell no, you No, no, no. She's I'll playing it again. almost a little bit like Donald yeah. Trump here, yeah. Susan Collins. I'll let you know She's always getting national media, so now her, here's her opportunity. Because Donald Trump said, but there's only one answer, only one thing will work with North Korea, and everybody said, what are you talking about? He said, I'll, I'll let you know later. in a couple of yeah, days. I'll, I'll tell you, tell you later. Yeah. Was, somebody has done, I don't remember which newspaper it was, it might have been the New York Times, somebody had did a, a, you know, the number of times Donald Trump had promised some sort of unveiling in two weeks. It was like sort of his thing. Come mm-hmm. back in two weeks and we'll and we'll tell you about the tax bill. Come back in two weeks and we'll tell you about health care. You know, it's just sort of his his sort of thing. So so Jamie wants to know uh, what's because Jamie's from Maine. What Susan Collins is going to do? What do you think? I have absolutely no idea. What do you think? Um, uh, if if I was in the U.S. Senate right now and I was Susan Collins, I would look for a way to get out uh, because she is at the sort of point of the spear. Uh, she is one of a half dozen moderate Republicans who end up being the swing votes on everything, which means they end up being the uh, basically the butt of every attack from the president. But it gives on her everything. a lot of power too, doesn't it? It gives her a lot I mean, of look, power. She killed. She killed the repeal effort. That is correct. Uh, uh, but you also are in this position of sooner or later it gets tiresome. And keep in mind, power to kill something is not like power to actually do something. And it's Good kind of point. fun to be Good governor. Point. I mean, yeah. all these a lot of senators sort of will tell you that being governor is a lot more fun. And a lot, that's why a lot of senators have gone in that direction. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, you know, you get to actually do stuff. And also, like, in the age of Trump, I think you see all of these states sort of forming their own identities, right? right? Like, we're going to do our own thing. And if you want to come after us and make us an enemy, that's fine. We'll have that fight. Right. You know, like, that's fun if you're if you're a politician that wants to actually get some things done. And, and I also have to say, you know, flat out, if you ever spent any time in Maine, you know it's a better place to spend time than Washington, D.C. So it's beautiful. It's nice. The people are nice. Amen. It's a fun place. Yeah. Paul said some really good things this morning. He said, "Take joy in the Yankees <laughs> losing, and, and that my state is just amazing." So I, I really just Paul, come back Jamie. tomorrow. <laughs> Next week on again. the Jamie Show. <laughs> uh, I must admit, my impressions of Maine are not so positive. But I, <laughs> I have only been there. Once in the middle of winter, oh, uh, it was, I think, it was for um, a Democratic primary. And look at their governor. And it was nothing but ice and snow, and it was miserable. What are you yeah. doing, man? Why have you not been there in the summer yet? And look at their governor. They, 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 they re-elected Paul LePage. Oh, Paul LePage, yeah. Did Any state that yeah. elects Paul LePage. Yeah. <clears throat> Your no. favorite. Yeah. Right. Uh, so speaking of senators who are leaving or not leaving, uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, there were probably 35 Democrats in California who were lined up to run for the open Senate seat. First yeah. time since 1992 there would have been an open Senate seat. 
And Diane Feinstein said, oh, not so fast. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say, and I don't mean this as any criticism as Diane Feinstein at all, but the Democrats do have a generational problem um, that their leadership is old. Uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi is in her late 70s. Diane Feinstein, I believe, is 83 four. or 4. 84 now. Yeah. She'll be um, 85 when she runs. And, uh, and you know, my favorite clip on C-SPAN is still Robert Byrd saying there's nothing wrong with age. It's one of the most beautiful speeches ever. You should go look it up. It's spectacular. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that there's sort of a bottleneck at the top for Democratic leadership in the House. Their leaders are, you know, Steny Hoyer is, I don't know how old, somewhere in his 70s. Uh, Jim Clyburn is somewhere in his 70s. I think Clyburn, Steny, and Nancy are all rough, all the same age. Maybe yeah. Steny's a year younger. And, and and no fault to them. And no, Not no. complaining about their, their by the way, work. And you got to say. Steny Hoyer is 78, by the way. He's almost okay. 80. Okay. Yeah. But you got to say also, they are... You know, there's no lack of energy and no lack of hard work with them. They're 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 filling their job sure. just as like a 20 year old would. Right, right. But the, but but the issue becomes that there are younger people with ambition, exactly. and there's nowhere for them to go. Yeah. Um, and 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 no way for them to move up, and nowhere for them to take leadership right. positions. Right. And it's and it becomes. Uh, uh, an internal fight. In fact, I, uh, um, Linda Sanchez yeah. uh, was on C-SPAN uh, this week saying something along the lines of like, it's just time for them to retire and move on. So so it's an interesting thing that when you have leadership, respected leadership, uh, that has done it for a long time, there comes a time to pass a baton, particularly, I will say, for this uh, uh, party, which is struggling to define itself. One of the challenges they have is defining themselves around a prior generation's battles. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if the Democrats really can sort of sort this out and get behind, you know, DiFi. We talked uh, we talked a little bit about this yesterday in in the sense that I think either Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump and maybe both of them have almost blown the age issue out of the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you've got the oldest president. We didn't think of it, but he's the oldest person ever to be president, Donald mm-hmm. Trump. And uh, and he's already talked about running for reelection. Right. Right. I wish time he'd be almost 80 uh, at the end of a term. You know, I don't even want to think about a second term for Donald Trump, but were that to ha- were that to happen. Uh, and you're right. If you look at the front runners for people who are being talked about for 2020, mm-hmm. you know, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Well, they're, they're all of that generation. Now, now, keep in mind, part of the, the change here is that, you know, in America, people don't die anymore. I mean, you know, the the, the that's right. No, the, the lifespan of particularly rich people uh, is like 150 now. I mean, it just it is not surprising or unusual for someone in their 70s, their 80s to still be active in their work and still being productive and all right. that stuff. Right, um, And and well into their 90s. Um, so, but it but it does create this really interesting generational problem. Total. If, yeah. if if the Democrats need to engage young people, which is clearly where their strength is. Um, then they need to start thinking about engaging younger candidates. There are only so many slots, and when all of those, when none of those slots open up, exactly <clears throat> right. Yeah, what are you going to run for? Right. So, which is why I and I, you know, as former Democratic chair of California, and as a good friend, longtime friend of Senator Feinstein's, you know, I was, somebody called me yesterday about it, and I, I told them I thought for sure that uh, I wasn't surprised. Because Diane really loves the Senate, I think she's been yeah. a very effective senator. That she would want to run again, but I also think she she must know she's going to have a primary challenge. There's yeah. some some of those Democrats who are going to run for the open seat will just say, "Well, look, you know, I can't wait forever." You know, but and, honestly, you know, I, that would be a primary challenge that could be really respectful. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with a primary challenge that says, "You know, Senator, you've been great." 
um, and, and, and we love yes. you, but we'd like to try something new without having to do what we do in right. politics now and say, like, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. our nephew yeah. used to be no. a drug dealer. It, whatever right. it is, you know, yeah. like we don't need no. to. Uh, so well, I'm all for I am all for healthy primaries, which is why one of the reasons I supported Bernie Sanders over Hillary Clinton. Can, can we make sure the to... party needed a primary, and I think that'll be good for California too. Well, I want to make sure we talk about California too. Um, I don't want us to let the half hour go by without mentioning that California's on fire. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I you know, we wake up every morning. The first thing I do is check the tweets to see you know what the oh, president's right. tweeting about, because that's my news. Yeah, he's been thing. tweeting a lot about California, hasn't he? Well, I haven't seen one yet. And I don't know, I've been sitting in your there in has green not room been here one. for, there's not been a California tweet. So, uh, you know, the NFL kneeling and, like and whatever you, the else. the first thing I do is I look at my phone. And see what's the topic du jour. What, yeah, right. And so I would like to take this moment to uh, move the topic du jour off the tweets uh, and talk about California. Uh, there apparently is a wildfire going on there that last I read in the, one of the papers this morning, maybe my newspaper at USA Today, they're saying it was 0% controlled. Um, that is a reason for concern. Are you hearing reports from any of your old pals Yeah, I talked about it earlier. Uh, first of all, there are 17 fires statewide, 17 different fires statewide, north and south. It is the it, it, This is the worst possible time for, for fires in California because October always is. Because it's dry, end of the summer, rains haven't started yet, and then the winds come. And you had like they, a particularly wet winter and a particularly dry summer. Right. And per, and the 70 mile an hour winds up in Northern California, they're, they're the Santa Ana winds in the south. I forget what they're called, Nordo or something like that up up in the north. But the, the problem with these winds is they, they fan the flames, but they also carry the embers. And so one fire... Start Another start. fire can start a, a, like a mile away or half a mile away uh, from 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 the embers. No, um, well, we the used people to say, that I know in Santa Santa Rosa has been the hardest hit uh, statewide. Yeah. the city of Santa Rosa in Sonoma County. Uh, and talked. I talked to friends there yesterday from Sonoma who were evacuated. Twelve thirty in the morning, they get a call saying, "Get out of the house right wow. away." They left with the clothes on their back. Period. That was it. That's all they had. Got in the car, drove. And uh, they don't they have no idea whether their house is still there, whether sure. pets are still alive, and the, the you know homes in that area have totally been destroyed. There's a high school in Santa Rosa gone, a Trader Joe's gone, restaurants gone. There are about five wineries that have been totally destroyed. It's it's really really. And there's been know. deaths, which normally we yeah. just, yeah. Fi- fire used to be the, the sort of the, the the disaster that doesn't kill people, um, because you can see it coming by and large. Uh, and this one has killed now more than a dozen people, which is which is yeah. stunning, and and sort of gives you a sense of the kind of power it's packing. The the thing to me, I, I don't want to make this all about Trump because I think we have spoken about California and we've given it some real time here, but like th- this is a trend now. You know, the people of Houston were acknowledged. He went down there. He made a point to like help and work that out because. Well, he won Texas, hmm. and dur- after after uh, Hurricane Harvey, and uh, you know California, I think is just another country to the Donald Trumpers uh, in the world, and he he might as well like he'd rather see it burn to the friggin' ground. But I do have to say, he, than have to acknowledge that, that he, it's a rough time out there. He did. He did agree to the declaration of emergency. That's a but. But but what president would not? Right. I just right. I just have to point that out as a fact that which Jerry Brown asked uh, uh, requested. The president agreed with that. But you know, Jerry Brown made the connection that I haven't heard Mike Pence or Donald Trump make, which is okay. We had Harvey. We had Irma. 
we had uh, Mario. Now we've got these fires in California. Jerry says, you know, it is climate change. It is a slow motion disaster movie that we're seeing all around, right? It's all connected. Well, you know, Trump talked about the hurricane, never mentioned the impact of climate change, the fact that we're seeing the worst hurricanes and, and, and more with more consequences than ever. Same thing with the wildfires. You know, we've never seen the entire state burning like this. Right, and, and you can't, with a straight face, say that you know some of the biggest hurricanes, the most devastating hurricanes we've had in this country uh, in the same season as the most devastating wildfires we're having in this country, that there's nothing connecting those two things. I mean, you just can't say it with a straight face. Yeah. Now, can you connect that to the clean power plan? Um, I do not know, not my strong suit, um, uh, but you can certainly at least start this conversation about, well, there's going to be more of these hurricanes and be more of these fires. What should we be doing to protect ourselves and to you know get people out of harm's way and to prevent the devastation of billions and billions of dollars? I mean, there's a there's another what five billion dollar hurricane bill plus another twenty billion dollar hurricane bill, and we're going to spend a couple hundred billion dollars this year uh, on disasters, which yeah. of course are off budget, so they don't count. You know, oh, kids, they've really thrown our budget off in Puerto Rico. Your kids can pay for that. Yeah, know. exactly. Not my problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you make of the... Uh, so at the briefing yesterday, uh, Sarah Sanders was asked about uh, Senator Corker and this little family feud that we've seen uh, yeah. between the White House and Senator Corker. Uh, Sarah Sanders saying, well, you know, a Corker's respect... He has his right to his own opinions, but here she is. Senator Corker is certainly entitled to his own opinion, but he's not entitled to his own facts. Uh, the fact is, this president has been a, an incredibly strong leader on foreign policy and national security. Did you realize that? I didn't realize he was not entitled to his own facts. Uh, that's good to know. So who, who, whose facts is he entitled to? You know, we, we have a story in the what, paper this what, morning. What like, is gained by this little it's spat? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, other than the fact that, that, again, we're talking about something other than something that matters, right? We're not discussing North Korea. We're not discussing tax policy or whatever else. We're into this thing about, you know, Bob Corker. Now, I will say... Um, you started that, to say paper, the article in your paper this morning? Oh, well, it's just that the, the lead is not this, but it's something like this, that Donald Trump keeps saying um, uh, that he is um, uh, going to give a tax cut to everybody, but he's not. The fact of the matter is yes, that yeah. people's taxes are going story, up. Actually. Some people's taxes are going up. So, you know, when they say that you're not entitled to your own facts, maybe, but you're apparently entitled to your version of facts, <laughs> which, of course, is politics in Washington. It always has been. Right? Yeah. Like, well, you know, I don't do that. I, you know, there, there was no relationship with that woman. Like, yeah, well. Um, uh, so... This whole Corker thing, the, the thing that's really most interesting about the Corker thing, frankly, is that Corker punched back. Uh, uh, you know, it's not unusual at all to have, you know, Donald Trump saying things about people on Twitter. That's how he plays. What was interesting is to have Bob Corker punch back and say something that a lot of people have not wanted to say in public, uh, and particularly a lot of Republicans have not wanted to say in public, which is essentially, I think Donald Trump is a crazy old man, which is basically what he said, um, which was a little shocking and I think hit the president. He felt it. Yeah. There was a strange uh, tweet yesterday by Donald Trump about John Kelly. You know, there have been rumors that Kelly's <laughs> not going to last forever. Yeah. But he, yesterday he came out and said, the fake news, fake media, whatever, is at it again, uh, saying that Kelly's about to be fired. Uh, there was never such a story. Nobody ever wrote 
that story. That I was wondering about that. I, I hadn't. See, I mean, I saw the tweet, and yeah. I don't know what time no. of night it was, and I didn't feel like going to look up what story he was talking about. But. There was a report in the in the uh, I don't know if it was the New York Times or whatever yesterday that uh, following up on Bob Corker's statement mm-hmm. about the adult supervision needed at the White House, and somebody right. missed their shift. Uh, there have been several stories that sort of it's like Mattis, McMaster, Kelly. Maybe Rex Tillerson used to be part of that. Maybe mm-hmm. he still is. Who are the adults who kind of tried to keep Donald Trump, you know, contained? Yeah. But nobody, nobody, nobody. It was never a story that said <laughs> Rick, uh, that John Kelly is about to be fired. He, here, are his, here are his tweets. He had two tweets yeah. last night. Uh, late, what, what time? Late it must, the have been, must have been late. They, they weren't super, super late. Uh, Nine fifteen. Uh, the fake news is at it again. This time trying to, which is late for Trump, by the way. Right. The fake news is at it again, this time trying to hurt one of the finest people I know, General yeah. John Kelly, by saying he will soon be fired. This story is totally made up by the dishonest media. The chief, all like capital letters there, is doing a fantastic job for me and more importantly for the USA. But the fake news there is that there was a story that said he's soon to be fired. So he's attacking... Yeah. <laughs> when in doubt, build a straw man, knock it down. Build a straw man, <laughs> knock it down. Exactly. You know what? I why not? It seems to work for him. So this is the thing that like like I've now come to with Trump uh, is whether or not he's just diabolical and creating this thing so that people can freak out, or if he just is kind of senile and like thinks that the media is out to get John Kelly now. Like I don't know what it is. I don't know, either. but it's one of the two. I, you know, part of it again is is you know his sense of aggrievement. You know that there's the Donald Trump. I am not being sufficiently credited. I mean, I, th- I think there was a, a a fairly remarkable video over the weekend um, that he posted. It was a video of the Coast Guard and the Army uh, airlifting supplies into Puerto Rico uh, and clearing debris and doing all this hurricane relief stuff. And Donald Trump tweeted it with. I am not getting enough credit for yeah. the great work I am doing in Puerto Rico. You know, there is this sense of Donald Trump's aggrievement. If you are not uh, uh, hailing him, then you are insulting him. Yeah. Uh, and, and it is an interesting thing to watch that he, he needs. I mean, the, the guy is president of the United States. I don't know how much more validated you can be. 62 million people voted to make him president of the United States. That seems like validation. You'd think you'd be sort of confident in yourself, no, 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 no. and yet he acts like you know an underrespected, aggrieved party all the time. This is actually what worries me more than anything, because you look at his history of business and life, and like the guy's been—I think we can all say—fairly successful. He's yeah. had some 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 road bumps along the way, but like nothing ever makes him happy. The only thing that's ever truly going to make him happy is the sweet release of annihilation. <laughs> the sweet release of annihilation. And then he doesn't have to worry about it anymore. You know what, though? He's going to take us all with him. Yeah. And, like, I say that half-jokingly, but, like, what is going to make him happy? He makes he, He's happy when other people lose. Yeah, okay. Which, again, you know. I, I'm not that sure that could be North Korea. Yeah, right, right, right. He has such a need for eager gratification. You mentioned the clean power rule. Um, so I want to I get your get your take on something that uh, I've been thinking about and maybe want to write about. Is So the, the meme is, and I am guilty of it myself, saying that Donald Trump, for all his talk, has accomplished nothing, right? Mm-hmm. There's no tax reform. There's no immigration reform. There's no 
uh, infrastructure. There's no repeal of Obamacare, right? All the big things he was. There's no wall. Right? Yeah. All the big things are going to get done. Uh, and the only thing they've really accomplished is to have Neil, Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court. Yes, but right. when you look at the things that he has been able to roll back by executive order, mm-hmm. the, so now the Clean Power Plan, the birth control decision last mm-hmm. week, the Paris Accords, he's going to get out of the Iran nuclear deal. As a matter of fact, right, if you look at maybe the big ticket items we've been focused on, none of them are done, but he is done an incredible amount of damage in 10 months. Well, now, would you re- re- remember... Am I right? You're half right. I, mean, <laughs> I, th- I, I, I think it is... God. Well, that's... I'm you feeling know. like Donald Trump now. You're not giving me <laughs> you enough... You have to no, praise You're him. not giving me enough credit. <laughs> I, gave, I gave him half. I thought that's more than normal, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you're, you're half it's right. more than he, some of our listeners. It's right. more than Donald Trump got. Keep, keep in mind that um, uh, but, even those things that you mentioned, which are can have a dramatic impact, are not really having the impact he says they're having. So he withdrew from the Paris Accords, sort of. Yeah. He, 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 right. ro- he rolls back the clean power plan, but that's going to take months or years to actually implement if he can yeah. implement because yeah. he's going to get sued on that almost right. immediately. Uh, the travel ban, same deal. Like, so he's doing some things that have dramatic impact, um, but they also don't have the complete impact he says they do. So so it's 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 a bit of this... It's hard to know how much impact he's really having because what he says he's doing and what he starts to do is not necessarily the same as the outcome that is actually happening. But also, take, look at the Affordable Care Act, for example. Okay, they didn't manage the repeal. Right. But they're doing everything they can bureaucratically. That's right. To make it more difficult to sign up, more expensive to sign up, to give insurance companies more leeway to sell crap policies, right? I mean, they're doing everything they can under the radar That's in right. so many areas that we don't even know about, by the way. Look at Betsy DeVos is doing on the ca- campus rape, you know, reversing that policy. And again, this thing on, on birth control last week saying employers, yeah, any employer for any reason, basically, well, can say, no, I'm not going to have contraception covered uh, for our employees. And the birth control decision was interesting to me because we, we made a different choice uh, at USA Today. Um, we, we wrote a separate story on the birth control decision, but we also wrote a separate story about the larger policy statement that the Justice Department issued, Jeff Sessions issued, which other news organizations described as sort of giving the shell for the birth control decision. It's not. If you read the thing, um, they issued a religious freedom guidance that basically says Anytime your religious views conflict with the government policy, we are going to come down on the side of your religious views, not the government policy. And, comma, the government will not be allowed to question you about your religious views to prove that they are, in fact, authentic. That is a dramatic reversal yeah. of government policy. Now, how much impact it's going to have, I don't know, because a lot of this tends to be fringy. I mean, uh, say what you will about gay marriage and everything else. There are not that many people who are going to be turned down for a b- wedding cake. Uh, by mm-hmm. a baker who is anti-gay, it'll happen in a handful of cases, and we'll get outraged about that, right? But, but this policy beyond the abortion policy, and this gets to your point, is incredibly sweeping in its theoretical scope. Incredibly sweeping, and it got buried by this argument over well whether or not the contraception is going to be covered in your insurance. Yeah, well, I, I think all of us have to do a better job of of keeping our eye on the day to day stuff, absolutely, and not these great big. Uh, Ticket items. Read the Federal Register. <laughs> Seriously, I mean that's where that, what, that's where the stuff comes out. I don't know I want to go that far. But yeah. <laughs> All right, Paul Singer. Good conversation. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Uh, you can stop by Trader Joe's on your way out. Yeah, right. Can I pick, pick something up for you? Pick up a couple of snacks. <laughs> pick up a couple of snacks. Yeah. Uh, right.
Uh, and um, our next guest, Ali Watkins, is going to join us from Politico, national security correspondent. We didn't get to talk about North Korea. Good, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> she's, she's much smarter than I am on that topic. But Ali does. We'll find out more when we come back here on The Bill Press Show. Stay with us. Apropos of nothing, what's the secretary's IQ? <laughs> it's high. Is Anybody it? who can put put things together, you know, and is an don't, engineer, you don't, you don't have a, it's high. You don't, I don't, you, I don't, you don't have, have an exact. What, what, what he might have gotten on his SATs, anything like that? No? Do you have a real question? Yeah. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. On a Wednesday, October 11, the Bill Press Show. Great to have you with us today. And thank you for joining us on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show, on Free Speech TV, and on the great WCPT out in the Chicago area. We're coming to you live, as always, from our nation's capital. Our studio right here on Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you today by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Yes, under President Jim Hoffa, the great members of the Teamsters Union, um, building a better America. And you can check out their good work at Teamster.org. What's happening with the Russian investigation? Uh, What's the latest insults on North Korea and what can we expect and what's going on between the United States and China, the latest in the trade wars there. Ali Watkins is the national security correspondent for Politico right here in studio with us. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm good. Just back from Egypt? Back yes. from Cairo? Back from Cairo. It was amazing. Um, and weirdly felt more calm, cool, and collected than Washington. Um, but here we are, back at it again. <laughs> I don't know. I just think of Cairo as this big Huge, sprawling, dusty city. Is there that would track? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, in in every good, incredible way, the people were amazing. Um, just and obviously, like the history is incredible. Mm-hmm. It was a nice, nice break from DC. As an American, did you feel safe in Cairo? Uh, yeah, I did. I, I mean, I was there with um, a lot of journalists and U.S. journalists who have been based there and locals, so I wasn't really in any of the probably more highly targeted like tourist groups or anything like that but i i didn't have any issues at I, all I, I, like no matter where you fall in the political spectrum right like i think we can all agree that the news cycle is exhausting here yeah and like so many people are saying like we we're traveling abroad just to like get away from the news a little bit and then yeah. all anybody wants to talk yeah. about when they find out that you're american is like tell us about the news in america it's yeah like, no! it was it was almost disconcerting <laughs> like hearing people in cairo be like how are you guys doing over there? Oh, God. Like, coming from, obviously, like, the CC regime, and you're like, oh, man. Oh, yeah, they have maybe. such a great democracy in uh, in Cairo. Yeah. Yes. Right. Well, someone referred to him as an orange CC, and I was like, I think I'm going to 
delete Twitter well, for the next couple days. Uh, yeah. But it was great. It was it was really nice to get out of the Beltway for a little bit. Do <laughs> do women have to wear? Can they wear Western dress in Egypt? Yeah. Um. I actually I kind of was learning as I went, thanks to some very helpful friends. But um, it, it's more. It's not necessarily a matter of like you, whether you can or can't. It's whether you want to kind of open yourself up to possible harassment. Did you, did you so, didn't have to wear a hijab. I, I, I didn't go into any mosques, so I oh. I didn't know. But okay. you, I mean the. If you best practices, in a mosque, you would. Yeah, yeah. but best right. practices is generally to keep your arms and legs covered, just so you don't have to deal with any kind of street harassment. Well, like um, one good, good, uh, the silver lining maybe of Donald Trump's um, tweets against uh, Bob Corker is that he has not been uh, tweeting uh, insults against um, Kim Jong Un, the head of North Korea, for maybe a week. Right. Yeah. We pick our poison these days. But so. the last time that he did tweet about it, he said that uh, it's pretty clear that uh, nothing else works. There's only one thing that works when it comes to North Korea. And we're not sure what that is, but it's certainly not diplomacy. Right. Uh, I wouldn't appear to be. Um, but I mean, this is the, the proverbial challenge with with covering him and national security threats is like, does a veiled Twitter threat translate to any kind of real policy and the answer we've seen is largely no yet at least that we've been thank able god to. yes um and because I, I think on the heels of that he had that comment um at his briefing where he was talking about like the coming storm yeah or, right. and someone's like what are you talking about the storm well what is the storm the storm and it's like okay well we you know we're we talk in these abstract languages and that has it translated to real like policy and it hasn't yet um we have not seen the policy actual storm but if you're on the receiving end of these in north korea um you would understand why they might take it seriously right i mean this is the president of the united states saying we don't we're not interested in talks there's only one thing we're interested in you know, I could I, I could see you, you you would see that as that the United States is planning a military strike on North Korea. Yeah, I mean, I think what's in, it does like, have consequences, right? Oh, certainly. I mean, the kind of rhetoric would, under normal circumstances, have consequences. But I think it's also worth consistently and constantly noting, like we're not dealing with two normal actors. I mean, we obviously like Trump is not President Trump is not a normal political actor in the U.S., but also we're not talking about, you know, a Angela Merkel or something like this is oh, Kim no. Jong-un is by no means a, a regular player in this either. Um, <laughs> so whether or not they take the implications like a, for lack of a better term, normal leader would, none of the standards apply in this situation on either side. Uh, so, it's, it's, what's interesting to me is like uh, just looking at Donald Trump's declarations on Twitter, North Korea has come out and said we consider some of those an act of war. Like they've said they consider it to be yeah. an act of war, which yeah. they also said about the Seth Rogen movie where Right. So, like, to prove your These... point, like, they, they, they've got a pretty itchy trigger finger to call for acts yeah. of war. And yet no triggers are pulled. Right. So it's, it's just this very strange game of posturing between two very interesting right. leaders. Well, I think we can all feel um, more secure today uh, in that Donald Trump certainly knows what he's doing because, after all, he spent an hour yesterday with Henry Kissinger. Boy, oh, 
When I, I that that shot from the White House with Trump and Kissinger, thought, oh my! He's way, done God. this before. Way, Obama did this has too. Obama it, no. would bring him into the White oh, yeah, House, I, yeah. and like we need to just get Henry Kissinger out of out like of the, current history, out of the picture. What yeah. are we doing? Uh, <clears throat> I, if you want to read a great book, Christopher Hitchens, a great late Christopher Hitchens, and the the trial of Henry Kissinger when he. Wrote a whole book about why Kissinger should be on, on trial for treason, but um, at any rate, come back. Let's come back to North Korea. So, does do we really? Is it really true then that there's no effort at negotiations, at talks? I mean, there's nothing going on. Has Tillerson totally been shut down? Um. Do we know? You know, I don't have good insight into that. There was a really interesting panel last week um, at a CIA conference, actually. Um, that you had three, you know, an ambassador, and you, actually the one of the directors of the CIA's North Korea program was there speaking. Um, and I was actually surprised it didn't get more attention. But it was interesting to hear their analysis of the situation. Um, and the, the general takeaway that I got was you should not assume anything has been taken off the table with North Korea. Like, just because you're not hearing about it from the top mm-hmm. office at State Department, just because you're not hearing about it from Trump, like, there are a lot of machinations of this government that work. And that's not saying the agency is leading any kind of negotiations. It was more just contextually, this is not a black and white issue. Um, and whether there are back channel talks happening, whether there are talks happening, I mean, there were reports a couple weeks ago that the North Koreans are looking to former U.S. officials of, like, can you help us translate this guy? Like, so there is some kind of inroad. Whether that results in any clear progress is a different question. But, you know, there are things happening in this country that may not necessarily wind up on the president's Twitter feed. And in the beginning, um, we were told after the famous uh, meeting down at Mar-a-Lago and the chocolate cake that we didn't have to worry about North Korea because China was going to take care of it for us, right? We were putting it all in the hands of China, and President Xi was going to put the pressure on it. It was going to resolve all their problems. Uh, Which was a vastly overly simplified solution, but... Uh, yeah, didn't la- and didn't last <laughs> it long, didn't right? It didn't really work. No. Um, yeah. Not to say it can't partially work, but it, again, it's not a black or white issue. Like China, We cannot just give North Korea to China and be like, hey, can you take care of this for us? Like, there are a lot of things that the U.S. and China need to work out, too. Well, that's what I want to get to, I guess, because you know the, the, the original take on China during the campaign by Donald Trump, right, was they're manipulating their currency. We're going to get them. You know, watch, you know, we're, I'm just going to be tough as nails on China. And then it was, no, we're best buds because China's going to help us with North Korea when that didn't work out. Then Donald Trump talks about maybe a trade war again with China. So where is the U.S.-China relationship right now? Um, you know, so we just put out a story this morning on kind of the the spy war that's mm. happening between the U.S. and China right now. Um, and it's interesting from the perspective of an intel reporter because when I first started covering this beat, all we were all focused on was ISIS in the Middle East. And it was funny. For years we were talking to intel officials and Every, almost every intel official I talked to, without exception, said, you know, ISIS is a problem, but China and Russia are our concerns. China and Russia, China and Russia, China and Russia. On um, intel. On on the intel, yeah. nas- just national security generally, yeah. that front. Huh. Um, because you're talking about two well-established powers um, who have the means and the resources to actually cause trouble for us. Obviously, we saw that with Russia. 
But the difference between China and Russia gets even more interesting because whereas Russia, we don't necessarily have a huge stake in in working with Russia. Neither of us have a ton of business interests with each other relatively. Um, And we're at odds more than we're cooperating. Whereas with China, China is far more ingrained in our economic fabric than the Russians are. And it puts us in this really interesting position in dealing with China, because while we are subsequently partners on some fronts, they also view us as a chief competitor and vice versa on our end. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the thing that we open with in the story is that the Chinese have been kind of the the raptors in Jurassic Park testing the fence. Someone's once used that analogy with me on Russia. And yeah. it fits. Um, but they are kind of testing the fence and seeing how far they can push it. Um, they've gotten very aggressive with recruiting internal U.S. government employees to spy for them. In the last six months, there have been two. Two U.S. government employees with clearances, with access to classified information, who have been charged with passing secrets to China. To and China. To China. And that sounds like a very small number, but in the spy world, that is staggering. Like, spies don't come up that often. Mm. Um, so there is this very strange, delicate relationship with China in that, um, you know, we subsequently need to guard against them, but also work with them in a lot of ways. Didn't it wasn't uh, one of the first hacking incidences were the, the Chinese OPM Navy, hack. right? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. But I, the right. OPM hack was the I think one of the first real staggering U.S. government cyber attacks where the Chinese got basically a roadmap for spy recruiting if they want it. You know, they pulled personnel files, they had millions of, of documents and pieces of information on sitting U.S. government employees. Um, and that it, it is just kind of, you know, we have a, an anecdote in there where they kidnapped a U.S. official who was believed to be a CIA officer off the streets in China. Like that, that is a crazy leap over the line. Um, and that was never reported for a year and a half because the U.S. kind of did a quiet backdoor. Listen, don't do that again or we're going to kick your people out. And everybody's like, OK, we don't want to upset this balance. So it's this strange kind of. Uh, not bull in a china shop, but just nobody really wants to upset this really tenuous relationship, especially in the context of North Korea. Now. Well, we have but, someone as delicate as Donald Trump in control, so I'm yeah, sure he won't right. you know, upset the apple cart here. But most of the stories, recent stories, of, and the most attention to all the hacking has been the Russians. I mean, so are the Russians far ahead of where China is on this? Um, no. I mean, I think ju- just... We just hear more about the Russians? Well, right no now more? we're hearing more about yeah, the Russians. Right. You know, the we are kind of in this phase where... And obviously, as an Intel reporter, I love a good spy story. And the Russian story is a crazy spy story right now. And it's got a lot of twists and turns. But the there is... Um, I think the, the way I described it in the story is like where Moscow stomps, Beijing tiptoes. Like Beijing has has been is quieter and is more subtle and kind of has perfected this strategy of infiltrating the private sector, which then eventually helps them get to the public sector. You know, it, it, they'll they'll cultivate someone in an engineering lab who's designing avionics weather systems that aren't classified when they're being designed, but will eventually wind up in an F thirty five. So there there is they've kind of 
mastered this way of, of a backdoor into some of these infiltrations, and whether it's human intelligence cultivation or technology. But do we have any evidence that China is involved in the same area where Russia is in terms of trying to undermine our democratic system or influence the elections? I mean, these... We haven't talked that much about the uh, this, uh, the the Facebook ads, right? Or mm-hmm. Google, Facebook, mm-hmm. both? Were they doing both? I mean, Google, Facebook, Twitter, the whole uh, running the gamut. But uh, it, it's, it's amazing to me how sophisticated they were. I mean, number one, how many ads they ran? Thousands of ads, and they were targeted to particular audiences. They knew where to run these ads. They knew what message to to put out there. I mean, this is a very sophisticated operation. Sophisticated or just like they read enough open source stuff to know, um, you know, and, and, and also just like found exactly where our weaknesses were. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. we are we are very weak in that sense. I mean, it's still like the twenty twenty election is not secure. Like the like they're 2018 saying twenty eighteen election secure. is not secure. Like we could right. absolutely be subjected to a severe hacking. So I mean, I'm less convinced that. The Russians were as sophisticated as we were willing to be duped, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, yeah right. Like, talk to your, like, great aunt's second cousin on Facebook, you know. Is that necessarily Russia's fault that she read these ads and was swayed? So, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question that well, I think is going to Well, clearly continue. were no controls in place, right, to, um, to know that there were some players – buying time or writing ads that should not have been allowed to. Yeah, I mean, this is, I'm really curious to see how this conversation kind of keeps going in the Trump administration. Because under the Obama administration, they were very wary of, um, you know, toying with that line of free speech. Because there was, I know there was a conversation during the Obama administration's tenure of like, can we crack down on RT? Can we crack down on Sputnik? Like they are, you know, it's very obvious what they're doing. They're they're fronts for Kremlin propaganda. But there was a real hesitancy from the Obama administration, you know, who by no means was a pillar for the free press, but did not want to, um, you know, start down that very slippery path. So what I don't know what the Trump administration does. You know, obviously they have even less respect for the institution um, of of the of the free press generally and just free freedom of speech. So how how do you and can you even police that kind of forum? And of course, there's an ongoing investigation by a man by the name of Robert Mueller into whether, in their efforts to influence the 2016 elections, the Russians had any uh, assistance from the Trump team. Um, we don't know how that investigation is going to come down, but wasn't it Jared Kushner who was head of? Yeah, uh, he was somehow involved in the Facebook thing. Yeah. Um, although, I mean, we've tried to be really careful. He just, was the head of the social media, I guess it was, for the Trump campaign. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. He's just in charge of everything. If you of course. To Trump. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Stick it on his like already, you know, hundred page long resume. I'm surprised you didn't run into him in Cairo because he's, you know, he's everywhere. He, he is the answer to peace in the Middle East, right? Uh, he is. Stick All that right. on it too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've tried to be very careful of. Yes, he was handling social media for Trump, but also if you were a Russian intelligence operative Googling, like, hey, where should I place my ads? Yes, it would probably right. say Wisconsin, you know, wherever else. 
So I'll, yeah, they, I'll they targeted states. Wisconsin and Michigan specifically, yeah. which, as I said before, if only Hillary Clinton had targeted it as hard as the Russians. Yeah, no had. kidding. Mm-hmm. But that's you know you don't necessarily need Jared Kushner to call you up and be like, hey, can you help <laughs> right. us out with the Packers fans? Yeah, um, it would presumably be easy to figure out. But it's just amazing how they really made the, the, our election was their target, and they and they were there operating on on several different levels. I just read like the German election. I don't. Everybody expected them. They were, they also got involved in the French election and tried to mm-hmm. to throw that to Le Pen, I believe. But in, apparently there was no evidence of their trying to hack into the German election. So they can sort of decide, okay, what countries are we going to upend and which one and which ones are we not? Well, and I think what's different, and this frankly is what I think the most important part of the Russia story is. Um, I think what's different when you talk about European elections and the U.S. election is that. The Europeans were kind of not prepared for it, but they had a plan in place. Like when, um, um, why am I blanking on the French president's name? I have not had coffee yet. Macron. Him, yes. Emmanuel Macron. Because he was hacked a couple days before the election. You remember this? Yeah. And they, yeah. It, it was announced that he was hacked. Yes. yes. The government said, you know, know that this has been taken. If you see this out there, like we ask right. you to ignore it. I don't think many media outlets covered it. So there was a plan in place for that when someone tries to screw with our election, we're going to do X. Right. Eight months since the inauguration and almost a year since the election, we still don't have that. And... <sighs> Before John Brennan and Jim Clapper left the government, they provided recommendations to the Hill and said, you know, you need to have some kind of plan because it's not a matter of if, it's when. Do you need congressional action to do this? You need some kind of policy. Yeah. I mean, that, I think, is where Congress can actually do something on this Russia stuff, because, frankly, their lane is going to hit Bob Mueller's sooner rather than later, probably. And if they like policy is where they can actually make a change. And I know the recommendation that Brennan and Clapper provided to them are of the many was that, you know, institute some kind of policy that, you know, blanket across the board at regardless of party, 45 days before an election, you put out a list of all the cyber attacks you know of and all of the stuff that was taken you know, you're not telling people not to read it. You're not telling media outlets not to report it. But you're acknowledging and telling the public this happened. Be careful. That policy has not been instituted. And and if it even if the Hill doesn't want to do it, then whose job is it to do? Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. Uh, the, true. And the idea that this is all happening and we and we're not on top of it is really s- stunning and dangerous. I remember I was thinking back, um, you know, when. Uh, President Obama was just, I think, maybe one of the very first interviews he did once he got into the White House was with John Harwood, who was then with CNBC, maybe still is. And I'll never forget it. And because in the press room, we were just stunned by Obama's response. And John Harwood said, what keeps you up at night? What's the thing that keeps you awake at night? Mm-hmm. And Obama said, cybersecurity. And a lot of us just said, what? What's that? Cybersecurity? Yeah. You know? I mean, he was on it. And the more I looked into it, I thought, dude, this guy's really like ahead of his time, right? He sees this emerging, real emerging mm. threat. Eight years oh, later. Eight years later, exactly. He, he may have seen it, but yeah. he didn't do a damn thing yeah, about it. Yeah, he didn't do anything it. about it. He didn't yeah. do anything about no, it. No, exactly. And, and neither, neither has the Congress. I mean, yeah, I hear we, I, it's, it's been stunning to me, frankly, that like this should not be a partisan issue. Like this, this happened. It uh, destroyed the, I, and like the, uh, right. frankly, the public's faith in democracy, if not more than that. 
and how how do this would it would be so easy to just sit down and institute a policy but it's it's just i don't think it's going to happen before the midterms i don't know now, how they get it through now your national security desk i, I mean i don't know how broad and how wide it is so but but you did mention earlier that um that uh, in addition to threats that you're looking at right mm-hmm. not so much isis but russia and china but what's going on with isis is is isis I heard saw last night on CBS that the fall of Raqqa could be within days, right? That's their I think we've been saying that since like yeah, 2014. you're right. Yeah, <laughs> Raqqa was supposed to fall yeah. like uh, two years ago, yeah. but um, but their territory has shrunk. I mean, yeah, they're certainly. being squeezed out of Syria. Yeah, absolutely, and and Iraq, frankly. And, um, yes. I think it's ISIS has become more of a military problem at this point than an intelligence problem Mm -hmm. at least as far as the u.s is concerned at the moment not saying they're not an intelligence issue um but i i suspect the problems that are going to come up with isis and we're seeing it now although it's not getting attention the american that they picked up who was fighting for isis i think that was a couple weeks ago we're going to start encountering this detention and interrogation issue again that is like this pervasive Mm. thing in this country that comes up and then dies and then comes up and we never figure it out um so I think as we continue to squeeze them and we continue to capture a lot of them, that's a question that from the intelligence side we're going to have to figure out at some point. And there have been stories of some of the ISIS fighters are turning themselves in because they see – Because they don't want to deal – yeah, they're – it's, it's the end of the road. I mean, yeah. They know and yeah. given the alternatives, um, they are turning themselves in. But isn't the reality that if ISIS is not – and hasn't this already started? If ISIS is not geographically located in – Syria, they'll just pop up somewhere else, like maybe um, Libya. I'm yeah. I mean, this gets into this very abstract idea of like, what do we do about extremism in the Middle East when you have these like quasi failed states? Um, but that is a problem more for like a philosophical <laughs> discussion of this. But you know what I mean? Operationally, I don't know that we're there yet, or if we are, it's not getting a lot of. But attention. I, I guess my point is they'll still. Particularly if we're talking about their cyber activity, their online activity or whatever, they'll still be able to do that from from anywhere. There will be hotbeds and opportunities for this group to continue to function and recruit and grow. Um, But at the moment, I think, you know, the operational side of kind of squeezing them out of Syria and Iraq is continuing to move forward. Yeah. And on the military front, it does look like we're finally getting the upper hand there. Yeah. With the... With the help of uh, the Kurds and mm-hmm. the Iraqis, and um, maybe even I just saw last night there's some Syrian fighters now that are joining. We're fighting alongside the Syrians while Bashar al-Assad is still in power. It is so it's weird. it's so complicated, <laughs> and we have Russia yeah. also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and Russia's in there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a crazy complicated place. well sorting all of that out is your job so uh and you, <laughs> for better or for worse uh, you, 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 you have to do it not us. yeah you do a good job of it too and thanks so much for coming in today ali ali walken you can Watkins. follow her at politico politico.com that does it on a wednesday all the rest of the day is yours but uh, we'll be here tomorrow morning and we'll be looking for you come on back and this see is the bill press show